Well, welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, a senior editor at Light Reading. I'm Paul Pastor. I am chief business officer for QuickPlay. And Juan Martin, I'm the uh, chief technology officer for QuickPlay. All right. Well, hey guys, thanks for for being here. A little bit of change, you know, for this podcast. We're here in Las Vegas for CES. 2023, where I guess about 100,000 of our closest friends are going to be here, you know, this week. So, um, you know, I appreciate you guys uh, making some time. Uh, before we dive in, um, I was wondering if one of you can kind of give me a little bit of a quick update, kind of a synopsis on Quick Play and, and the company's technology and service focus. Because also there's been some M&A, sure. right, um, in recent years and some new branding changes that's actually like kind of a reconnection to the company's roots, back to the Quick Play name. That's right. Um, and I know you guys were had a different name there for a while, but just to kind of get our bearings, you know, who wants to do the, sure, the I'll update? Sure, I'll start. Oh. So, uh, well, just to give some context on Quick Play, what it does, right? We service the tier one kind of distributors, sports rights holders, operators, right, in the, in the media and entertainment space, uh, and build out their streaming services platforms. For, so everything from content ingest, to the core piece of our CMS, so helping them manage, append content with data, make it discoverable, run algorithms to help it drive discoverability, and then the, the front-end development that comes to like, how does it get presented. Uh, that all sits on top of a data layer where we capture almost every single data event that enables a product owner, a technologist, to make the best decisions on how to actually maximize the value of a consumer on their platform. So that's the core part of our product. Um, the piece that you talked about in M&A, we recently did acquire a company called 440 Digital that allowed us to sit a little further upstream in that, in that, um, in that workflow, which is really around media asset management. So how do you think about organizing assets, um, having multiple versions, being able to get them out to multiple distribution outlets in various formats, right? And having a very clean system to be able to do that. And so that's a function of what we acquired because we saw that need from our customers coming as distribution outlets increase. And then finally, going to the bigger question of like, who are we in terms of Quick Play versus First Light? Um, right, because that's who you, you. It was Quick Play, then it was First Light, then back to Quick Play. AT and T was in in the middle <laughs> of it. Yeah, okay. that's right. So we uh, were founded in 2004, acquired by AT and T in 2016 as Quick Play, um, and that was to um, in, essentially at the same time Disney bought BamTech, AT and T bought Quick Play to help build out and support all their direct consumer businesses. Um, in 2020, when let's say AT&T maybe had over-invested in many areas, uh, not, not including the technology side, mm -hmm. there was an opportunity to buy out some of the core engineering talent as well as some of the core IP uh, for us to start a company that we called First Light at that moment. Right. Um, but through a year and a half of always really explaining who we were, it was just easier to say we're Quick Play. Um, right, because so there we, was some brand equity there, right? There was already brand equity, yeah. so we just mm -hmm. decided to like, let's make the change. We did that at IBC this year. Uh, and then move forward with the play name. Okay, now we have our bearings. So now <laughs> we fast forward to where we are today here at CES, and I think you know streaming and what what's going on in videos a big focus here at the show. Um, I went to a few sessions earlier today about that, but um, I want to dig into some of the the recent market activity uh, for Quick Play and so forth. But here at uh, CES, can you talk a little bit about? Um, kind of what your focus is at the show, because I guess this is the first time you've had, uh, the company's had a presence here at this particular event, right? Uh, that's right. I mean, yep. for the last, uh, since, you know, 2021, 2022 being canceled due to COVID, uh, yep. this is our first time here at the show. 
Um, our broader goal, right, is just to be able to be present with our clients and grow those relationships as well as, you know, obviously source new business uh, and progress some of those pieces. But this is not a, this is a show that's more geared toward consumer electronics and it isn't necessarily the core base of, of streaming services, right? So right. it's really about being present and helping us develop and further those relationships. Um, what we did put out right at the end of this year is some of our client wins and the success we've had with the business. Um, last year was an incredible year if you think about growing the business over 300% in terms of ARR, thinking about growing the number of, um, of client applications that we're supporting over 200%. And we are just on it, and we have more yet to close right toward the end of this year. So we're seeing a lot of positive momentum, and we want to tell that story and the reasons why we win, which is a real around the technology, the people, and the process. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about the the business growth that you announced. I guess just this week to talk about how twenty twenty two went. Um, I mean, where do where do you kind of attribute the growth to? Is it where where was the bulk of the growth coming from? For example, you know, are you seeing more traction from the various like free advertising, advertising kind of the fast guys or the, uh, the, the services that are doing subscription models or you know something maybe in between maybe they have both you know a lot of companies like Netflix, Disney, and others sure. are doing that model. Um, so generally, I would say geographically, a lot of our business has been coming from North America. Okay. Uh, though some some also from Asia. Um, that's generally some of the, the, the distribution geographically. In terms of opportunities that we're seeing in the marketplace, there's a couple of kind of core trends. One is sports, right? How do people have more rich, enabled sports experiences, and how do you deliver that with a tremendous amount of broadcast reliability, right? We saw with FIFA this year, so many people stumble out of the gate, uh, and there, there's these investments that people are making to ensure they get behind the technology that can deliver against a sports experience. The second piece um, connected to that is that we're seeing a lot of RSNs that are having to move out of the TV everywhere world or at least begin to develop a more direct relationship with their consumer. And so we're seeing that as a growth area within the business itself, so very much attached to sports. That's part of a broader trend within the business. And then finally, we're seeing a lot of, like I would say, the tier one operators that were um, that had ceded a lot of ground to the you know, large incumbent tier zeros like a Netflix, Disney, et cetera, now kind of saying, listen, there's more of a marketplace that we can own. There's more ways that we can support the, and drive the consumer experience around all of their streaming needs, not against one single vertical or one single brand. And so we're seeing a lot of investments in those areas at the same time. Interesting, yeah, because the question always comes up is like where, yeah, uh, with streaming, there's like the, it seems like a lot of the attention is given to the big giant right. ones, right? And they don't, it's kind of hard, you kind of forget that there's a lot of activity, you know, kind of happening beneath all of that. So, from a broad standpoint, I mean, where do you guys, where do you kind of view yourselves as sitting? Is it tier one, tier two, tier three, beyond, or is there a particular sweet spot of the market? It's, it's an important distinction, right? Because I think the, the news and the storytelling concentrates on what the tiers are doing, right? The Netflix, the, the the Disney's of the world. Um, we work on the next tier down, right? So what we call the tier ones. And for us, that's a winning segment of the market because the tier one segment is actually um, doing hyper-local, right? They have a, a strong connection with the audience. They're doing what Paul was uh, suggesting in terms of live content for sports that has uh, also a regional aspect to it. And so they, they have the ability to operate in, 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 a, in a local market and be relevant with live content, with personalization, and that's where we see um, the growth coming to our service. 
And on those pieces, just to kind of piggyback off what Juan's saying, so we're not standard OVP, right? We're not serving the medium to long tail services that sit in the marketplace. They're, they're gonna be in a very traditional SaaS model. Everybody has the same product roadmap. Everybody shares the prioritization of every other client that sits on that same uh, product stack. What we have the ability to do and the way it's been architected largely by this man here is, is something that allows for a high degree of customization on top of that base layer of a platform that can meet the needs of a tier one operator because they're going to have existing ad systems. They're going to have existing uh, AV pipeline potentially they need to integrate. They're going to have all these various components or needs that they've built around their business that we need to be able to help support. And so that's the magic of what we do and why we're one of the very few service operators in the, in the business, right, doing this is to say, hey, we understand you need the scale economy coming out of the cloud. You need a platform that is driving the best you know, consumer experience. But we also understand you have very complex, unique needs, and we can actually deliver against that, that, that unique combination of all three. Yeah. Now I want to back up, too, when you were talking about uh, RSNs and kind of the, the sh kind of change that's happening in that market, right? Because I mean, traditionally they've been part of a pay TV bundle or a sports tier or something like that. But yeah, we are starting to see a little more direct uh, consumer um, activity. And um, uh, now what's kind of your message to that group? I mean, is it to help them say it's, it's not extremely difficult to pursue that model? You know, because I, th I think it could be a little daunting beyond just the, uh, like the economic, you know, business portion sure. of that kind of a decision. Yeah, I think what we're seeing in the RSN space is they're not, listen, at the very, at this moment, they're not choosing one path or the other, saying it's both and, right? They want Yeah, it seems they, like they, they're not gonna just put one to the side forever. Right. Yeah, it's like we gotta evolve, right? That's right, it's yeah. a TVE. Hey, we'll continue to support the TVE ecosystem. We There's a lot of economics that are still in that, that model, right? So we'll continue to build and support that. So how do we drive really quick authentication so people can get into the game and begin watching what they wanna but there is a segment of people who um, may, are maybe are underdressed by a big you know, cable bundle. How do we begin to develop that relationship with them? How do we offer them various different business models, whether that is a subscription model, a per game model, a, uh, a team driven model, right? Where we can hmm. begin to support those various different business models and better understand some of our consumers, whether that's through a subscription or ad supported basis. So that's what we're seeing is like, hey, I want to manage a bigger ecosystem, and I don't think that's different than what we're seeing in like the other live services or even the right. EOD space, yeah. right? It's it's a diversification of business models that's the that's the driver at this moment. So no. What they have going on for them is the content, right? They have relevant sports uh, that the people want to connect yeah. to. So the opportunity there is also to develop those relationships with the consumers that they're uh, uh, eager to connect with the content outside of the traditional mode of what they've been working at. Now, the, the problem that they have is that outsourcing some of the distribution for many years have given them uh, a bit of a rough start to try to take the technology in their hands. Right? That's where we come in to try Right, because they could be starting from a complete blank slate in stop. some cases. Yeah, right? they, yeah, they don't even have a rolling start into something like that. But I think it's really interesting when you're talking about the idea of maybe, not gonna say slicing and dicing, but trying some different business models around the content, you know, doing something by team, and, and I mean, that's that's an intriguing idea. Um, how far, I mean, um, are you having a lot of discussions about that, or kind of what's the, you know, kind of the current temperature and interest versus reluctance to kind of 
I want to say blow it up and change everything, but you know, evolve to do some of these, uh, you know, different distribution services and methods. I would say there's a tremendous amount of eagerness. <laughs> eagerness, okay. Uh, like, yeah. and, and so a lot of it we start with, like, we take best practices to each client too, right? And I think that's some of the advantage and where we come versus others is that many of us have already sat on the other side of the table, have already kind of been the client, right? And now we're, now we're sitting on the other side as the, as the vendor. But we start with thinking about, like, hey, what is your front porch strategy? So how are you actually thinking about the funnel and managing the funnel and the content experiences you put in front of them? The business model is generally ad-supported, right? But also, how can you begin to think about the various cohorts that come into that that funnel, whether that is a, a Gen Xer like myself that may want more lean-back experiences in the future versus maybe somebody who's more Gen Z who's looking for, I follow a sports fan or I follow a... Uh, a certain person I went, you know, was with my college team, whatever it may be, they have that type of experience they're looking for it, more short form, more highlight driven, more of those pieces. So we start with those pieces, and then once we get them into the funnel and understand more of their behaviors, right, then it's about matter of putting the right business offer in front of the right consumer. And we found this working with many different clients that we've been able to expand the total number of consumers they have in various different subscription models, right, and total revenue as a function of that kind of segmentation that we're working with them. Interesting, yeah. And your your approach is kind of interesting because you're 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 agnostic to the business model, correct? correct. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because at the same time, you're not just saying, "Hey, here's a technology layer, have fun with it." But it sounds like you're much more deeply involved in helping your partners develop the business. You know that the technology is going to enable. I mean, is that? Yeah, an accurate way to look at it. And I would say that it's also sometimes less explicit than you would expect. Here's different tiers and you can choose and match whatever you want to do. Take sports, for example, right? When you're doing live sports and there's a broadcast feed that you're doing for streaming, that already has uh, ads embedded into it, right? It comes as right, part, of, part of the stream, so part of the feed, yeah. If you're selling that as part of a subscription system, you know, um, and, and you simply begin to replace those broadcast ads with digital ads, Right? You can create another layer of revenue directly on top of your subscription base, right? Uh, and, and that is transparent to the audience. Right. And one example, right, uh, um, uh, maybe not one that uh, has taken advantage of all these different and, uh, ideas, but, I mean, up in Canada, right, yeah, you've had a, a pretty interesting partnership with a, um, with a sports network. So yeah, sports it's been, yeah, so it's been a little while since I've touched on it. So maybe, you know, just as an example of you know, something you can talk about yeah. <laughs> that's out in the market. Yeah. I mean, what's what's new and different about what you're doing there? Um, I mean, I'll let you speak to some of the pieces here, but um, I think what we found is it's not only about delivering high, reliable, broadcast quality sports experiences, right? It's been the adjacencies in terms of uh, interactivity that we're now partnering on. It's been the um, ability to look at uh, getting more discreetly underneath the demand curve of content, which is the packaging. Um, and um, and I would say then the overall consumer experience was overhauled as a function of the, the launch and the product. So right. I think it's all those pieces, but you also more deeply. Yeah, look, I mean, there's every broadcaster that is transitioned to streaming, right? Takes um, uh, takes some time to get parity with what they expect to have as a performance from a broadcast side. Um, and, and reaching that scale, reaching that level of performance allows them to get more into what the digital terrain offers. Uh, and certainly that has to do with interactivity. You know, we're, we're looking at all of the sports betting opportunities that have uh, come about. Um, but I was telling you about uh, digital ad inception, right? Uh, in the context of broadcasting, uh, those digital ads have to be 
adjusted based on the uh, game duration, right? They're not fixed. And that is not a simple use case when it comes down to digital ad insertion. So working with them to try to get the best experience, uh, even when you're adding ads to the broadcast, uh, is one of the things that we've accomplished with them over the last year. Uh, and looking forward, I think, has to do a bit more with the opportunity to engage the consumer through more interactivity, through um, richer uh, statistics uh, offered as part of the game, and enrich that experience altogether. Okay, great. And then um, on, the on the other end of it, um, what kind of activity are you seeing amongst traditional pay TV providers, right? Like some, you know, have made the leap and are doing like an IP-based version of, you know, a pay TV service yep. and so forth, but not everybody. I mean, some are kind of backing away from, from pay TV and kind of ceding it to the, the virtual MVPDs um, and maybe just focus on broadband. But from QuickPlay's perspective, um, are, do you see any opportunities Absolutely. On the traditional pay TV side, and you know what, what's kind of your message to that group? Yeah, I would say I'll, I'll put them into kind of broadly in distributors, right? Because I think also mobile operators and otherwise are all looking at some of the same questions, right? Like what services do I want to offer through the platform that I have with an existing consumer relationship that I already own, a billing relationship that I already own. Um, and so where we're really seeing people focus is on how do I create marketplaces to make and facilitate a couple of things. One is the ease of buying, right, across uh, multiple services in one package. Two is how do I play a role in facilitating content discovery across multiple services, right? And then, and then three, I would say, how do I think about supporting more business models within those marketplaces that are being developed? So that is most certainly the trend we see it across the globe uh, right now, and that's really an area of focus and a product that we're bringing to market. Right. Now, are you working with pay TV providers today? Pay TV providers, mobile operators on, on these types of marketplace opportunities. Okay. And I guess kind of looking forward, like the last thing was, um, you know, looking at 2023, and I mean, we're just getting rolling here, but from a technology or even operational perspective, I mean, well, what's kind of the biggest challenge ahead, either for, for the company or even some of your partners? Well, there's, there's certainly uh, an outlook on perhaps not technology, but from a recession standpoint, right? They, they, they need to be uh, effective and, and grow with profitability, right? So I think technology will come and play a role on managing that relationship with the uh, uh, consumer, figuring out how to tune acquisition and churn, like helping companies through difficult times. Um, but from a pure tech perspective, I'm particularly excited about the potential for generative uh, AI. Right, I uh, think that yeah. Know, in what what context? Well, so the the opportunity for us to now begin to understand content uh, in a deeper way, we're applying some of the, the the transformer models to video, for example, to extract um, uh, named entities and context about that uh, video to then be able to feed it down the line. Um, but the, the the way that we, for example, potentially can evolve in terms of recommendations. Right? Rather than getting set a bunch of things, could that be a, a more interactive process where you're beginning to get deeper into why you enjoy a piece of content, how that compares to other elements in the catalog? So there's, there's something early on that space. Um, we have a partnership with the Vector Institute in, in Toronto, which is one of the global um, powerhouses for AI. We're investing with them to try to figure out how to enhance the user experience with AI. So there, there's something there that we can build on top of analytics that I think would be very interesting for them. 
I, I love your vision. I, I like your city imagining watching my TV and be like, I like uh, a romantic comedy. Okay, but something that has a little more horror in it. <laughs> you know, like, like, and making you get real, adjustments. Like, you get real granular. Getting, yeah. you know, updating and be like, okay, but I really want this star and then it just keeps yeah. going, you know, and keeps getting It'd be more through. of a dialogue, right? Absolutely. I think that could be, like, super fascinating because it would most certainly, after playing with chat, chat, yeah, this week and you're like, just the oh, yeah. pace of which it can regenerate new information. I mean, if we can get to that kind of content experience, yeah. and, and it could be pretty incredible. And you're digesting the, 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 the global knowledge base. Yeah. Right? And so we're understanding content now from just, not a, just a technical perspective, but all of the nuances that are out there that people are interchanging and, and, and talking with each other that can be translated into better forms of uh, uh, recommendations, right? Yeah. Or, or even discovery. I think that's like, okay, I'm, I'm on board. I'm ready for that. Um, <laughs> absolutely. As I sit in front of my TV and try to figure out what to watch every day, I'd love to just be like, I want this, but a little bit more of this and more of that. Keep adjusting, keep adjusting. I would also say just like for us as a business, like, listen, we've had like, I mean, we've had an incredible run uh, with, with growing the business. Uh, I think people trust us. I think we have this, you know, being cloud agnostic uh, has most certainly served us very well in the marketplace. Um, being cloud native most certainly has served as well in the marketplace. Um, I think we're reaching a place, I think in the next year, what I think we'll focus on, one is, I think there's gonna be a lot more M&A activity happening within the media entertainment space in general. Um, I think not just among the majors, but just... Not just among the majors, yeah. even, even the second tier. Um, yeah. I think that's gonna lead to, they're gonna be managing more complex ecosystems and they're gonna need to figure out how to kind of get on one stack, get the efficiencies, get the data structure that all of for, right. for, for a, a better product offering. So I think that's gonna be one trend we see and that will, that will be a positive trend uh, for us in terms of the opportunities. The second piece is we announced um, at, uh, was it IBC? We have a, data, a real data-driven product that is it's giving real-time data coupled with your what's happening on your quality of experience, your consumption, your business models, right? And putting all of that together into one place. Um, and I think that when you can begin to look at the business holistically versus through the only the vertical lens of each of those, I think you have a lot more opportunity. And as consume, as all these services are looking to either monetize the base they have, retain the base they have, um, uh, in, in a, a more competitive environment, I think that tool will serve them very well. And I think that's the opportunity we have in 2023. Okay, and one quick thing, when you're talking about uniformity from the stack, Right, it seems like, hey, obviously that's something you'd want to do, but the market, it's the way it's kind of evolved. Is it still pretty pretty siloed, or is everybody kind of like, oh, we have to go in this direction and put everything on the same platform the, to the, you know, make sure being you're cloud native efficient? Is by definition uh, leading towards fragmentation, right? Everybody yeah. can set up their own stack, be specific about what they want to contribute. What we've been trying to do is to actually provide a some form of glue, some form of orchestration for all of those cloud native services. And so we take a look at the stack as, look, if we're gonna have to operate in a tier one environment with all of the complexity and all of the potential services that are part of that, how do we facilitate building out a system that doesn't constrain you by the things that we can bring to the table, but is actually compatible with other products in market that can share data when it needs to be shared and, and basically build from that as a, as a strategy. So we, we try to, um, speak the language of integration, speak the language of facilitating an end-to-end -end service and offering that as a future-proof way of uh, building your own services. Okay. Well, great. Well, I think that's where we're going to leave it uh, for today, but I really appreciate it and uh, thanks for your insights and 
Good luck the rest of the way here at CES. Thank, Thank you very much. All right.